just the cracker at Carlisle for this week. We'll start with a few comments on the quality of the game. Stephen Dale is going to use that game as a cure for insomnia. Dan Colclough simply wrote 12 Zs. And Andy Priest sent a lovely picture of the Outer Lake District saying, at least he got a scenic journey home. Mark Bertels was happy. More possession, more shots than the home side, and a clean sheet and a point on the road. Stuart Grimley thought it was workmanlike. Not pretty, but effective, and we didn't look as nervy as we have. Aaron Lewis believes that's two points dropped for a side with genuine playoff aspirations, but will take the point and the clean sheet. Ryan Hayward thinks that performance and result was acceptable in isolation, but he's worried it's becoming the norm. Mr B thought we looked okay in patches, but the overall standard in League 2 is awful, the Alex included. Tim Green thought the positive was they never looked like scoring, the negative being neither did we. Rob Murray thought the two centre-halves were outstanding, with Rod McDonald his man of the match. Graham Miles also picked out Offord and Rod, but added that we missed CBR greatly. Andy O'Neill is happy with a point on the road after last week, and now he wants them to back it up against Gillingham on Saturday. Hello and welcome back to this week's award-nominated Railway Men podcast. We have just got the nil-nil at Carlisle to go through today. So joining us to go through that cracker, we have got Steve Hatton. Hello, Steve. Hello. Hello, everybody. We've got Steve Bennett. Hello, Steve. Hello to everybody. And we've got Trevor Griffiths. Hello, Trevor. Hi, everyone. Okay, so guys, I'm just going to start off uh, reading you something here. Carlisle maintained their unbeaten home start to the season with a boring nil-nil draw with Crewe. The railway men's wait for a first away win since beating Football League basement boys Rochdale on the opening day went on after a dour draw at Brunton Park. Not my words, Lynn, the words of the BBC Sports website. Um, Steve Hatton, was it really that bad? I didn't think it was, but then I've got a vested interest um, so I'm kind of caught up in the action and the ins and outs of it. So it wasn't, obviously it wasn't the finest game I've ever seen, but as a as a supporter of one of the two teams involved, I was drawn into the action and it kept me on on the edge of my seat because it was, it was a really, really tight game. However, if I was a neutral with no interest in either of those two teams, I may have struggled to keep my um, kind of interest in events on the pitch going for 90 minutes, if I'm honest. I I did struggle to keep my events on the the pit the events in the pitch for ninety minutes yesterday. Trevor, you were at the game. You were up in Carlisle yesterday. Did it feel that way to you guys there watching, or was it just lost because I was on the screen? It was a. It was better as the game went on. A because we probably got better as the game went on, but you never <laughs> thought either side was going to score a goal. The weather conditions weren't great, if I'm honest. Blowing a gale at times, but it it is it's a crew game. It's a crew away game. That's how we play. Um, Steve Bennett, Trevor just said that um, neither side looked like they were going to score a goal. The big thing before kickoff was Courtney Baker Richardson missing out. It turns out that was quite a big miss uh, when we look at creativity or 
chances or anything like that. Is that true? Yeah, I think I think so. Uh, we do, we obviously don't know quite how late he, he was ruled out, but I, I can imagine that they spent the week training with the with the vision of him playing, and then um, if he pulls out on Friday or whenever it was um, with his mystery injury, um, more of that later, I'm sure. But um, we um, yeah, we've suddenly then got to change, and it does affect the game plan. What I would say is though that. Firstly, that it was quite evident, as Trevor said on on the on watching it, that the the weather was um, rather rather inclement and certainly very very windy. And um, my my initial thoughts were sort of actually discussing the game itself, were that we we would we did look to be trying to play more than we have done in recent, well, effectively for the first month of the season. I thought that. We were trying to get the ball down a bit more, and there was, there was certainly less of just those hoofs forward, which um, obviously we we've all spoken about, and and Alex Morris alluded to in the in the excellent pod the other evening. So um, I I didn't think it was the best game at all, like everybody else had said, and certainly not the first half. Um, but um, I think we were we were trying that little bit more to to play a bit more like crew to be honest rather than something else which we we've obviously been trying to do to to stem the flow um steve i'll come to you then because crew did something that's quite unusual in football in that they made a first half substitution zach williams going off after a yellow card uh, and being replaced by rio adabisi possibly injured possibly not quite at the races yesterday what did you see um, I think it's indicative of his season so far, and I think we are soon going to have a bit of a selection dilemma because, in my opinion, the little that I know, I don't think he's a left-back. I think he's a centre-half masquerading as a left-back, um, and I think once Rio returns to match fitness and with the outstanding form of McDonald and Offord, he's going to struggle to command a place in the set as a one of the two center halves at this point in time um i think he's always had a little bit of um kind of in, uh, impetuousness to his game and he's always have dived in a little bit at times obviously he's, he's a young lad finding his way maybe we can expect that but i think playing at left back perhaps exposes that a little bit more because i think when you're playing out there as one of the fullbacks you tend to have those one-on-one duels a little bit more than you would do playing in the centre. So I think that exposes that a little bit more as well. And I think I heard Alex Morris saying he'd been booked and that was the reason he was um, he was taken off. I get why they played him there, but I would have thought surely his long-term future is, is playing as a centre-half because I actually think he doesn't look as good a player this year at a lower tier in a better team than he was last year in a higher tier in a poorer team, I would say. Trevor, is that something you'd go along with? The fact that, you know, I don't think it's out of outrageous to say that Zach Williams was one of few bright sparks last season. And it seems like what Steve's saying there is maybe there isn't a place for him in the first 11 at the moment. Well, he he plays left back for the Welsh side. So obviously there's a uniform between both managers in, in that respect. So, you know, th- th- they've got better knowledge of where his best position than, than I am. I think he came back 
quite quick after his injury without really much of a, a pre-season. So, and his impetuous at Rochdale got him booked early on and he was able to survive that for so long. But yesterday, once he got booked, I wasn't surprised that he got upped. Which, watching the game, where were the cameras? Which way were they uh, facing the tunnel? Yeah, so basically next to you, where the away fans are, just to your left. Right. Did you see him go straight down the yeah, tunnel? Yeah, he, he ran straight down the tunnel. Yeah, I thought. I wondered if anybody had noticed that. I, I never saw him come out later. So whether he did or whether he didn't, I don't know. Um, I wasn't surprised. Alex won't take any chances of losing the game. And if he thought Zach Williams getting sent off was going to cost him the game, then that's what he'll do. He, I don't think he'll try and nurse him through. If he thinks it's going to risk losing the game, that'll be it. And I think going back to the way we play, I think that's it. The first thing is we don't lose. And Zach, unfortunately, got himself booked and got himself hooked. Okay. Whilst we're on defenders, Steve Bennett, I know we've talked about these two a lot recently, uh, but I, I think it needs to be said after last season's calamity, ongoing calamity, it felt, that Luke Offord and Rod McDonald were, for me, superb yesterday. Rod especially, especially going back to his former club. Absolutely exceptional, both of them yesterday. Um, I think they did everything that they we could have asked of them. And I think the the sort of best thing to say about them, I think if they were still playing now, I don't think Carlisle would have scored. Um, they were two absolute mountains at the back there. Um, they weren't weren't allowing anything through them and heading everything away. And 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 they they were they were absolutely brilliant. Um, I watched the game with the Carlisle commentary and some of the stuff that they were intimating about Rod. McDonald was libelous. I would suggest they they were really, really not um, not um, fans of him and were giving him, which was totally unprofessional, from a BBC radio station. They they were basically mocking him. Um, and did he shut them up? Did he shut them up? Um, he's been absolutely exceptional for us um, so far this season, and um, long may that continue. Um, after the the recent um, sort of centre backs that we we've we've got in from outside um, experienced, I think that um, we finally got one, and I think there's a reason for that. I think under our tell, what we've been trying to do was to get somebody who can defend and who can play. Um, and at our budget, unfortunately, you can't get Rio Ferdinand, can you really, um, or whoever. Um, we, we, we seem to have been sensible and we've got somebody who can actually defend. And I'm not saying he's absolutely awful at playing, but that isn't his strength. He's, he's get the ball, play to somebody who can. And um, I think that that's, that's a winner. And Luke Offord has grown back to that player that we, we saw at the back end of the uh, promotion season Um two, three years ago, how long ago it was, that um, he looks assured and he looks um, a real player again after sort of 12, 18 months of, of not quite being as, as commanding as he has been. And he certainly seems to have um, um, taken the captaincy with some relish and um, looks the part. 
You say Rod McDonald can't play football, Stephen. And the thing that I remember from yesterday... I didn't is, say that, Stu. <laughs> well, the point I'm trying to make is that what I saw yesterday was him do the same turn about five or six times where he looked like he was going to shepherd the ball out. The Carlisle player just ran past him and Rod McDonald was then able just to turn on the ball and play like a Cruyff in his heyday. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just thought he was just superb yesterday. And I, I believe after reading the match report this morning, I didn't hear it on the cameras, but I believe he was getting booed by Carlisle fans, which seems an odd choice to make when you've released a player because you don't think he's good enough for your first team to then boo him to come back with the team that assigned him. But anyway, we've got Mika Mandron and Scott Kashket turning up on uh, Saturday night. Uh, sorry, there was, Saturday sorry just to jump in there about the booing, there was one point in the second half that clearly the guy, the supporters behind the goal were giving him some stick because he, he, he clearly made a point of mouthing something back at them, um, which I, I thought, oh, it's a dangerous game to get into, but it seemed to... Um, seemed to make him grow, not not shrink. Um, he seemed to be relishing the fact that they were giving him stick, and that's no bad thing, is it, if it works for you? Steve Hatton, goalkeepers. Last time you were on, I said he's had two games, he's kept a clean sheet and only conceded a penalty, expecting you and Mark to have positive things to say, and I was put firmly in my place. You've come on again, he's kept another clean sheet. Are we yet willing to give Arthur any credit? Yes. And to be fair, I mean, I think in the earlier games when he got a bit of criticism, um, I think we all acknowledged that he was a, a very young player finding his way. And I think we all accepted he would make those errors. And provided they only appeared very rarely, I think we, we could tolerate that. But since then, he's been error free. I wouldn't say he was unduly troubled yesterday. But I think since those early games, I think his decision making has improved. Um, his shot stopping has, has been pretty solid as well. And I think he also, I think we've all been lavishing praise on the two centre-halves, but I'm sure that the confidence they're now building in in Arthur is probably part of that as well, in that they're confident now they've got a solid goalkeeper behind them rather than some of the incumbents between the sticks last season. But I'm not going to go down that route because that's a well-trodden path. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, Trevor, there's someone else that I want to mention. I don't know if you agree from what you saw yesterday, but he was playing in the position I believe he wants to play in. And I thought it was one of his better games for crew so far, mate. Definitely one of the better games he's had this season. Tariqa Wakwe. Um, he just seemed to be everywhere yesterday, involved with lots and lots of things. Yeah, I think that was part of the plan because we, we'd obviously switched from the formation we'd played before and Brooke and Wakwe were playing the inverted winger type roles with Sambu and Aji swapping the centre forward role, playing as a two. And he was able to get on the ball and going back to what Steve said about playing more football, that was due for them coming on off the line and picking the ball up off either Thomas or King. So, yeah, he, he rushed a couple of... He got into the box once or twice and he rushed his final ball. Whereas before he'd beaten his man, got in there. And I think that's all that's lacking in the side. Once they seem to get in that penalty area, apart from CBR, everybody else panics a little bit. But he's, he's, he's very comfortable on the ball, got a great left foot. And I would imagine he's one of the first names on the team sheet. In any position, it seems for him at the moment. Yeah. So the other thing that we... Um... 
well, one of the things that we talked about this week with Alex Morris when we happily had him on the pod was we seem like we're building that defensive solidity. We've just talked about it, but the creativity is a thing that's hard to come by. And I don't know, for me, it just didn't look like we were going to score yesterday. There was that one chance at the end with uh, Charlie Finney working it down the left and it falling to Dan Ajay and he sort of snapped at it and it went very far wide, very high out, you know, it, we just didn't really seem to have anything there and we haven't scored more than one for a while now. And it is concerning, isn't it? And I know we've talked about it last week, but it is a concern. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree. Um, and I think that Alex Morris was was very, very um, honest, wasn't he? In in his appraisal of that in the week um, on, on the pod, excellent podcast, if you've not listened to it yet. Um, but... Um, yeah, he 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 shared pretty much shared shared views of of um, of quite a few contributors on here that that the first thing that we've needed to do was to stop the goals, stop the rot. Because if we'd have continued how we were, there'd have been zero confidence. We'd have had we'd have been down there with Rochdale and conceding goals. And I thought yesterday it was almost like um, because we. It, stuff like that had been said last week on, on the pod by Alex, um, and then Alex Morris came on on um, in the week to to discuss that and said more or less the same thing. I thought yesterday appeared to be a little bit of a turning point in that, in that it was clear that we were trying to play that little bit more. However, I think Rome wasn't built in a day, and you've you've almost got to learn how to how to pick that lock again, haven't you, a little bit. Um, and um, whether, and I, I would have thought that it would would have been a different game with CBR and, you know, long as well. It, it, it's, you forget that he's, he's probably been the intended um, other striker um, pre-season, but we, we've hardly seen him, have we? So I think that we, it will come. Um, and I, I, I also think that some of the detractors, it would be the first thing that they 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 were they were saying if we were still conceding goals, um, you're better to get a point than none, aren't you? You're better to to draw nil nil than lose five four. I think the forwards to me look like explains why we've got the likes of Sambu and we've got Ajay in. A, I think they're both similar sort of age, and you can see why we've got them in that they've clearly both got talent but their link-up play with their fellow forwards, their decision-making betrays why Ajayi was a bit part player at Oxford. He was probably a useful sub to come on and cause problems. Um, and I think that's why that's why they've ended up with us. And it's the club's, the club's job is obviously to improve them and to turn them into more rounded players. They've clearly got talent. They're clearly a threat. But I imagine a lot of that coaching is going to be on their decision-making about how they link with their fellow forwards. Because that, that really is where we're lacking. And that's what Morris, I think, has alluded to continually throughout the season and also on the pod from the week, which we'll give another plug to. I thought what both of them did really well, actually, yesterday is something that I thought Mika Mandron did really well when he was here and what uh, CBR does really well when he plays is they were good at holding up the ball, getting that first ball out of defence and using their strength, using their body well. But I think what they were both guilty of, and they definitely weren't the only two people yesterday, it seemed to happen quite a lot, is either over-hitting or under-hitting passes. 
Trevor, you've already mentioned the weather. I believe it was quite windy up in Cumbria yesterday, but it is just that little bit of, um, I don't know, intricacy maybe is the right word that we're just missing when we're looking to unlock defences at the moment. Yeah, first half, it, we, we had the win and and it proved when Carlisle had it in the second half, there was a lot of balls that were running deeper than the forwards. He couldn't catch it in time. It, it was quite deceiving. But in the second half, when we were able to get it down, we did play a little bit more. The, the forwards tried to combine. But if you've not been, as, as Steve was saying, you've not been regular as anybody first team to get that, that you only get that on the training ground. And I would imagine that's what they're going to spend most of the time on. The defence looks after itself now. They, they know what they're doing is correct because you have five clean sheets in 11 league games. You know you're doing something correct. But the hardest thing in football, and everybody will tell you, is putting the ball in the back of the net. We, we talk about CBR, but he's had six shots on target and scored all six. So he doesn't have a lot of chances because if he did, he, we'd be you know, top of the league because we'd have scored a lot more goals. It is that one final thing. It was nice to see Charlie Finney come on and have longer in the game. I think Joel Tabber will be the next 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there. So when they do start a game, it's not going to be a shock to them. So I think that's a good ploy because they're, they're good technicians. They're good footballers. And they will have the, the nous to open the door. I'm not sure Sambu's got the nous to open the defence, apart from using his pace and his strength, which, he, which is a real plus because he gives you no time as a defender to play. But it's just that you know, it's only a fine balance of, of becoming that player that creates everything for us. But I think it's only going to be done on the training ground. Trevor, have you just made that stat up about CBR? Because if you haven't, that's no, incredible. No. no, as far as I'm aware, he's had six shots on target and scored six. That's that's an insanity. Uh, you know, he's not had a shot saved this season. Maybe also worth mentioning that CBR's injury, which he sustained whilst playing on his Xbox, um, other consoles are available, um, is probably up there with Dave Besson and the mayonnaise jar um, in terms of bizarre football injuries. And maybe the listeners could tweet in with other well-known um, football in bizarre injuries that they're aware of. Yet again, Steve, your cultural references are as relevant as uh, as anything. 1988, was that one? <laughs> one for the kids. One for the kids there. <laughs> Society Ross hasn't moved on since 1990, has it, Steve? <laughs> right, uh, there's a couple of points I want to make, but they're, they're very small. Um, one, we've talked about, I don't think I, I really need a response, but the bench looked back to being quite weak again. And again, we know that's going to be the case because CBR's out, Ainley's out, Long's out. Um, and that, I think, had an effect on the strikers and the fact that we just didn't have anyone to bring on. You know, Alex Morris looks at the bench and Charlie Finney is the next one off the rank sort of thing. So... I think we can sort of forgive that. The other one is, and I do sort of try and be conscious about this. There was over uh, 200 crew fans that went yesterday in the midst of a train strike, in the midst of an energy crisis, uh, which I just think is phenomenal to go up and spend your Saturday watching. I mean, you didn't go with the Trevor. I'm sure you didn't go expecting that sort of game to play out in front of you. But, you know, to travel up to the the edges of Scotland, uh, I just think it needs to be pointed out that, you know, I think the crew away support at the moment is fantastic. 
Yeah, and I'd agree with that because you either went on a coach or you went in a car. And it's a, it's a fair drive but for anybody doing that. We, we went on a coach and had a pub stop, obviously. But, um, yeah, I think it, it's good. People, well, people want to see your team do well. And if the word entertainment comes in, they're not actually getting a lot of that. But the, the, the CEO and the team who gives everything you know going to be in the game one way or the other. They might lose 1-0, they might win 1-0, but they're in the game. So you're not sitting there after 40 minutes, game done, thinking, oh, God, I've got another, you know, 60 minutes of this, you know, whatever. At least it's going to the wire, which is worth going to watch. Whether you want to be entertained, you can go to circus if you want to be entertained. Yeah, just to jump in there, I'm jumping back to what Steve had said earlier. Um it may not have been a, a classic that they were going to be selling the DVDs like Liverpool, Newcastle from years ago and all that, but and, I found another frame of reference boring. that, uh, that <laughs> yeah, another cultural reference what, from 1994, that, that one, Steve. Yeah. Some, I think 94, wasn't it? Keegan hiding behind the advertising board and all that. Yeah. No, I, I found it quite an enthralling game actually in, in kind of a different way because you Although it was, it had nil nil written all over it. You did, you did have a feeling that it, it it may have a late winner for one side or the other in it, and it was enthralling in a different way. I thought, but I agree with what Trevor said in terms of, I for I didn't think that they really chucked the kitchen sink at us to try and get. A, they were quite happy with the with the points. I think from pretty much. An hour onwards, they were happy with the point, and they they weren't they weren't risking trying to win it. To be fair, Carlisle weren't they were at home, and they didn't look like a team to me that were going to be challenging. Might be wrong; they might just might have been an off day. Given it could be like that, but I'd rather a team at home have a go, which which crew tried to have a go. It might not come off, but yesterday their top scorer. They were all saying to speaking to a few Carlisle fans, oh, you'll have to watch out for Dennis. He's, you know, he's on fire. Well, he's a real menace. Yeah, yeah, good, good reference to the B, you know, but there you go. But I think Clayton Mac, uh, Rod McDonald's got him in his back pocket at the moment and he might be taking him out this morning. Okay, next we will look forward to the game against Gillingham on Saturday. But first, we'll hear from the women's team who were in FA Cup action away at Salford on Sunday. So we've just uh, watched an amazing game of football as the Alex women uh, finished victorious with a 3-2 victory over Salford City in the second qualifying round of the FA Cup. A uh, great win and a great game to watch. We've got Matt Fisher here. So uh, just what were your thoughts on the game today? Great win. Great win. Even better performance. Um, I think massive test from Salford. Um, we've, we've been, some people could say we've been unlucky with the draw in terms of getting um, same league opponents and being one of the very few, if not the only one that has. But what they've put on for us today in terms of the hospitality and the venue we've played at has made it worthwhile. The girls rose to the occasion, as did Salford. Two really good teams, there's always goals between us. And to come back from the, the disappointment of last week on our behalf, um, couldn't be any prouder with the girls. And I think it was a really good response from the girls as well, conceding one just before half-time. The game could have quite easily gone a different way. Definitely. Um, we said that. It was a test of character today. And... Um, we, we, we won our battle, uh, which we haven't always done in terms of that. You know, the um, 
the goals come at times where historically people say, you know, bad times can see goals half time, and then they definitely had the momentum when they got the second goal, um, which is, is scary times. But the girls showed an intelligence and a bravery that, that was pleasing. You know, when we needed to absorb pressure and, and soak that up, we did. Uh, the more bodies they applied forward, we knew if we could carry on absorbing that pressure, we'd get breaks, which we did. Probably, they would argue they were unlocking not to equalise on a couple of occasions. We defended um, with brute force at times and we were solid, but you know we, we were really unlucky as well. As uh, Amanda was through, Fallon's through, and you think she's scoring and she just dragged it wide of the post. But good goals as well, so yeah, really happy. I think coming off the back of last week, we obviously mentioned uh, a under average defensive performance. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot better today. Uh, I think that's probably where the result came from in, in initial. initial. Uh, any words on the changes in defence today? Yeah, so I mean, we only made one personnel change, but that wasn't due to last week. Um, Shadis Finnebold coming back from injury, and we needed to give her minutes. And, and Meg Beach has been doing really well. We knew last week was uncharacteristic mistakes. We've worked on her defending this week, but we knew it wasn't something that was going to creep in regularly. It was, and that was the disappointing thing about last week. It was such a freak situation. Um, but the girls defended probably a little bit more basically today. Whether that was a conscious decision or I didn't, didn't look panicked. But at times where we could have probably played, we've cleared it. But I don't see no problem with that. Um, Jen Bruff was super. We know her strengths are more attacking than defending at full back. But um, she, she had a hell of a job today because, you know, Farouz um, Abdullah, who's one, probably their strongest player, uh, gave her a torrid time. And, and Jen Bruff, you know, credit to her. She's defended really well. And also Laura Tobin for them. You know, she drops off the the back four and she drops in a little pocket space behind and we had to be quite clever with that. Do we step and follow her and leave that space in behind or do we drop deep and force her into the decision? And I think the girls made key decisions in um, in, in key moments. Yeah. And I believe that's uh, now onto the next round, the third qualifying round, and we'll we'll await the draw eagerly. Yeah, uh, actually that was a topic of conversation a little bit after the game. Girls' minds changed straight away. Do they want another big game? Do they want a home draw? Do they want a away draw? Uh, would they like it a game? Um, against local rivals, all those sort of things, you know, all we'll do is that we just want to be in the hat for tomorrow and whatever else happens is totally, you know, only only concern yourself with the things you're in control of. Brilliant. Well, congratulations on today. We look forward to seeing you again. Cheers, Tom. Appreciate it, mate. So, Steve Hatton, I'm going to start with you. Gillingham, uh, they were obviously relegated alongside us last season, and they were predicted to do much better than the Alex at the start of the season, but it's been a tough start for them so far. They did win on Saturday, a, la a late winner uh, against Sutton to win 1-0, but they're not doing very well, are they? They're, I think they're, they're struggling to score goals. I could make comment about who their forward line is, but I'm going to resist that temptation. Um, so I think they, they haven't really done very well. They've struggled to score goals. They did um, obviously win, as you mentioned, on Saturday. Um, it's a surprise because I genuinely thought they, I thought Harris was going to get them organised and get them up and challenging. So I'm amazed to see them languishing down there. Um, but I'm just a little bit concerned that one of our two um, ex-players may well come back to haunt us at the weekend um, as they've turned things around um, in the last game. I'll come on to them in a minute, but Trevor, Steve's just mentioned the manager, Neil Harris. You know, he's quite um, a well-regarded youngish manager in the game. Uh, he's had championship experience. Is this evidence maybe that sometimes not every job is the right job in management? Yes, because at the end of the day, you're only as good as the players you've got. So if he hasn't got good players, it's really difficult. I, 
I think you could just be lucky. You could just fall into a job, got a good set of players, you do really well. Two or three years on, you haven't got as good players, you don't do as well. I would and make a point. I think if they hadn't won yesterday, I think he would be on maybe looking for his P45. Because it was that their only third league goal this season? Yes, they've got two wins and they scored three league goals. Well, you know, that's that's not a great status. <laughs> but to be fair, you know, they did win yesterday, which is all that it's about. It might kick their start, their season, hopefully not, but it could well do. But I would imagine he would have been close to seeing the, the back door like every manager seems to do these days. Ten games in, don't you know where in the league you go, don't you? Steve Bennett, um, Trevor's just mentioned they scored three league goals this season so far. They spent their summer looking for goals in the transfer market and ended up signing two strikers from Crow Alexandra uh, after the season that we had last year. Are you surprised to find them struggling like this? Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. I think um, Mandron in particular is if he fancies it, isn't it? Um, it, it was always interesting when, when his contract was either being renegotiated or he thought somebody might be watching him, the, the different player we got. Supremely talented, but does he fancy it? I don't know. I do, I do have a horrible sense of foreboding about next Saturday and a, a certain Mr Mandron or, or Dee Kashka as well um, being on the score sheet at some time. Um, I think... It might be worth a trip down to Ladbrokes with a fiver to score at any time, but um, because typically that's what happens, um, isn't it? But um, I am I am a little surprised because I think that they both are more than more than good enough to play League Two, aren't they? You know, Mandron on his day is a decent League One striker, isn't he? But as we said, does he fancy it? Maybe not. Well, so my next question I was going to ask to all of you would be what sort of reaction you'd expect them to get. And I'll answer it myself first. I think if I was there, which obviously it's difficult for me to get to, um, I think Mika Mandron would certainly get a round of applause from me for his efforts in the first season, especially. I'm not really a booer. So I think Scott Kashget for me would be uh, a bit of an air of indifference, similar to his stance on the football club when he was here, it felt like. I don't know if that is unfair on him. I, I think that's about right. Um, I think I'd, I'd go with you there. Um, Kashkat isn't somebody I, I loved or hated. Um, he was just happened to be on the payroll, didn't he? And I think that that's the way he felt. I don't know what Steve's thoughts are. Yeah, I think I agree. I think Mandron was a good player for us, had his moments. Last year wasn't helped by some ridiculous tactical decisions for him, but at times it became apparent his heart wasn't in it. Um, Kashkat... Kashka existed, didn't he? He came in, was a strange purchase, didn't seem to fit any system we played, got injured and then just disappeared. So probably eminently forgettable, I'm afraid. Do we think we'll see Mandron playing uh, wing back? Though? <laughs> <laughs> they, they could both play wing back, couldn't they? They did for us. Yeah. Allegedly, they could play there. Ah, but... ah, yeah, that's a good point. I, I did definitely resign Mike Michael Mandron. Because I thought he he he'd suit most systems that we'd play. Scott Casket, he never really got a chance, did he? 
he, he likes to play off a big man. We never played with the two. Got stuck out wide, got injured, finished. I felt sorry for him at times. He, he gave everything. But I'm sure, as Steve said, it's worth a bet on one of them netting on Saturday. Okay, well, with that in mind, Trevor, I'm now going to ask for your score prediction for Saturday's game. 3-1, crew. Okay, Steve Hatton. Um, Gillingham scored a goal yesterday. Floodgates have opened. 3-2 to the Alex. Okay, and Steve Bennett. 2-1, uh, crew. Lovely. Okay, to get the Gillingham perspective, I spoke to Eddie, who works for the club producing their match day programmes. Hi, Eddie. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, yeah. Um, just briefly to start us off, then, what's your connection to Gillingham? Uh, well, I'm I'm from Canterbury, but I'm a Gillingham fan, and I have been since 1978 when I first went. Um, and I used to write for Brian Morshead, the Gillingham fanzine, was one of the co-founders back in the 80s and 90s, and I now write for the Gillingham uh, Match Programme. Eddie, um, there's a couple of questions I'm going to ask you sort of rolled into one here because I feel like there's going to be two different answers. What was the expectation at the start of the season going into this League Two campaign and what's gone on so far? Okay, right. Well, the, the first point is last season was the worst I've ever seen in 44 years and the worst team and the most thoroughly deserved relegation you can ever imagine. Um, and so a lot of Gillingham fans saw the pathetic amount of goals we scored last season. Everyone went, we need to sign, well, two strikers, proper strikers. Um, and we needed to get rid of the transfer embargo because that had hamstrung us last season on recruitment. So everyone had sort of two different expectations. If we get rid of the transfer embargo and can sign some strikers and Neil Harris knows what he's doing, then we'll give it a go. However, if we, those two things don't happen, we could do a south end and go straight through the division. Um, as it happens, one of those things happened and one didn't. So <laughs> we got rid of the transfer embargo, so everyone perked up, but the recruitment was zero. We, we, we can help. The squad's threadbare, and I would say man for man, is significantly worse than last season, which I didn't think was physically possible um so it's the worst Gillingham team I've ever seen full stop and it's grim and depressing and miserable yesterday obviously last minute winner fabulous but that papering over the cracks of the clubs falling apart so right uh, I mean it, it paints a very positive picture for cruise season last year you know it's, it's happy to hear we're not the only ones um Eddie, Neil Harris, when he came in last year, it was seen as a bit of a coup for Gillingham to get a manager like that. Is that still the feeling now, or is pressure started to build on him as well? Uh, it's it, When he first arrived, everyone saw it as A, a coup, and B, all the people that didn't like Steve Evans was just delighted he'd gone. So there was a double whammy there. And he, he, he got the club more organised, said all the right things, which is sort of easy in one sense. Um... And everyone knew that he, he had inherited a terrible team. So he had a lot of largesse till the end of the season, even though we got relegated. However, the failure to sign two decent strikers is his fault in the sense of, no, obviously, I will get onto budgets and stuff. 
but literally failing on the last day of the window to get his main target. Well, sorry, you don't leave it to the last minute when you're desperate. Um, and also tactically, because he didn't have the forwards, we've been playing a quite defensive formation, which means it's <laughs> we're binary and we just, well, obviously scored three goals this season in the league. It's just like woeful. We, yesterday, we broke the club record for a number of um, minutes without a goal at home. And, um, well, you know, we have a, a goal of the month competition is literal. Um, so, you know, <laughs> uh, so obviously not scoring any goals and not winning many games. People, he's been chipping away at his sort of um, reputation. And also um, just the, he said a couple of things like last week at Hartlepool, who, are now, who went bottom after we drew nil-nil. It was a terrible match between two truly terrible teams. And he came out and said, oh, we deserve to win. We didn't have a shot on target. Uh, our man of the match was our goalie. And the moment of the match was when our player kicked the ball off the line. So that's sort of insulting people's intelligence. Now, I know he's desperate to put a positive spin on things, but that sort of thing grates. So, so um, people desperate, they like him and want him to do well, though. So he's still got that. And because of injuries and stuff, we've tweaked it and we're slightly more attacking now. Slightly. So <laughs> hopefully we'll stick with that because um, we made more chances yesterday than we have had in the, maybe the last three games added together. So you've mentioned in a couple, both of your answers so far, really, that you were after two strikers this summer and you think you haven't got them. You did sign two strikers from Crew Alex this summer, uh, Mika Mandron and Scott Kashket. I think they're going to get probably different reactions. I think Mika Mandron will probably be more appreciated for his efforts over two years than Scott Kashket uh, for last year. Um, but it sounds like you're not a fan, Eddie, of either of them. Right. Neither of them are going to... As, uh, what we needed or wanted. However, Kashget um, is is becoming more popular by the game. So he looked a bit raw to begin with, and everyone went, "Oh God, why have we got him?" But he's growing into his spot. And yesterday, he he was very energetic, and a lot of people gave him man of the match yesterday. And he was in. He made the goal. I mean, the goal he saved him, he headed the rebound in. But his general performance was energetic and lively and passionate. And so he's starting to win the fans over properly. However, Mandron is completely the reverse. I feel starting to feel sorry for him. Most people weren't that upset when he left the first time and were distinctly underwhelmed when he came back. I was completely underwhelmed. However, give him a good go because he was, he was all right last time. The last time he had... Lots of, um, he had a partner in crime up front and he had decent service at the moment. He's got neither and he's plowing a, a burrow often on his own and it's not working. I mean, really not working. I feel sorry for him. So sometimes he's going out wide or tracking back just to try and get the ball, but his confidences must be shot as well. So, I mean, he's, he's had a couple of stinkers recently and the, and the crowd had started to get on his back and um, I feel a bit sorry for him. So, Eddie, I mean, you paint a pretty bleak picture there. I've got one last question to ask you, and it's sort of, uh, I'm sort of afraid to ask you what you might think, but what's the score going to be on Saturday? Well, I mean, the thing is, if you ask Gillingham fans, the main thing at the moment is the state of the club. I mean, I, I need to allude to this because the club is, in, is almost hollowed out and the, the, the crowds are dwindling and people are so... Um, 
split. But I mean, most people want Paul Scally out and he's not going to games anymore. And they've brought someone into a sort of front of the club, but we're hearing to find a buyer. Um, at the moment, until that happens, we are treading water and just desperately trying not to do a South End and get relegated. So um, we're sort of stuck in limbo because Scally hasn't, he, he's, he lives off the club, doesn't put money in. And so therefore, um, we, we can't do anything positive until that changes. We, um, there are rumours of people looking at the club, but nothing official. Um, and until that happens, we're desperate to just not get relegated. So I think most Gillingham fans will go to crew on Saturday, hoping not to lose and just take another truly tedious nil-nil draw. I mean, you, you, I mean, we, we've seen so many games where we've had one or two shots on target in the whole match or none. Um, uh, so yesterday was a bit unusual. We suddenly had about half a dozen shots in the last 20 minutes and it turned into a normal football match. But we've seen so few matches where that has happened. Um, thing is, we're defensively quite strong. There's errors in it. So the keeper, Morris, for example, is good, but he, he has the odd error in him. Amos has an er error in him. And if we go a goal behind, we literally are not going to win the game. Um, so scoring first, you will win. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you do the same to us as last season. You score early when you hadn't won for like months, weeks and weeks and weeks last season. And we turned up and you completely trounced us. And it was only 1-0 to the last minute and you finished off us in the last minute. But I think that could happen. But if I'm feeling wildly optimistic, I'd hope for a one-all draw. Um, uh, but I, uh, it could really be a tedious nil-nil and you'll be very upset with us. Eddie, thank you so much for your time. Okay, we've got a couple of things to finish off today's pod then. Uh, we have mentioned the podcast with Alex Morris a couple of times. We didn't announce it uh, last Monday. So if you listen to last Monday's pod and then have come back thinking this is the next one, it isn't. Uh, so please do look for it on our pod feed. It came as a bit of a surprise to us. Um, so do check it out if you've not. I'm assuming the three of you have heard it. You weren't yeah. on it, any of you. What did you think when you did listen to it? I thought you got an honest manager who knows the problems and wants to solve them, sort them out. Thought he was excellent. There was no underlying, you know, what's he trying to say? He was forthright. I thought he was good. thought he was honest. That's all you want. It, I like is that um, I like Dave Ortel as a manager. He gave us some great times. But at times when you listen to him speak, I think, have you actually watched the same match that I have? Um, and I don't think I could ever, in the pod, in the interviews, accuse Morris of that. And everything he said made complete sense. I remember when Dave Ortel was on the pod and there was a question about playing wing-backs rather than full-backs, and his response was something along the lines of, it's not where they start, it's where they finish. And I just thought, what sort of response is that? Where you didn't really get any of that from Morris and everything was sound, practical, and I can completely see where he was coming from. Um, and I think anyone who's criticised the style of play this season, have a listen to that. There's your rationale. There's your reasons. We're a work in progress and we're heading in a different direction, hopefully. Yeah, I'd, I'd just basically reiterate exactly what the other guys had said. I found it in, quite engaging and really, really interesting because um, 
it, he came that honesty came across and you you can kind of read into that that the players get that as well that he he is brutally honest with them but in a in a in a constructive way and it, it's almost they can see the pathway ahead of them in the way that as Steve alluded there that you know the, the style of play isn't quite what we might we might want or be used to but it's a means to an end at the moment it's stopping that um what i did what i did find interesting as well is that he he was he was very very keen to repeatedly state that he was very much one of us in that he'd been at the club for i think it was 27 years or something isn't it it's a long time anyway um, I can remember him when he was when he was on the bench for the first team and stuff, but that says more about my age as well. Um, but no, I, I did. I, I thought he was he was brilliantly honest, and yeah, plaudits to him and the club to be honest, because it would have been easy just to keep saying no to us and to offer and to give us pretty much fair fair reign. Uh, free reign rather at at the manager who's in in post. He's a young manager, etc. Uh, etc. Et that that could be seen as a little bit of a risk from some press officers, but um, I think that um, it was it was a great lesson to be honest. And we um, it's hoping that we um, we go from strength to strength. I'm glad you made that point there, Steve, because I had a couple of people sending me messages, WhatsApp, etc. And they were sort of insinuating the same thing that I'd sat on this or we'd sat on this and waited to get the crew Alex manager on for a time that best fitted me in terms of the, the awards that I keep banging <laughs> on about. Um, and just my response to that is that's bonkers. I'm not in a position where I'm saying no to the crew Alex manager uh, to wait for maximum benefit to me. And the podcast, as soon as he became available, we said, yes, it, I think it was yes. about 16 hours after he, and it was the club that reached out to us, Ben Breeze, thank you, uh, and Alex himself, about 16 hours after that message to when we were recording. So I can just say we haven't got the Kralik manager on just because it's the award season and we wanted to, you know, push that. That was the club themselves that did that for us. So I can only say thank you for that. But whilst I am on the uh, the topic of awards, this is our final podcast before the voting closes. They close October the 9th, which is next Sunday. This pod will be out on the 3rd of October. So this is my last plea. Please do keep keeping them voting in. Uh, I have booked my flight back. I'm back in Manchester for about 30 hours in that time. Producer Dave has bought his ticket. So we will be having a couple of ales in Manchester. But ideally... I'd like to go back to work on Monday morning, I say on Friday morning with uh, more than a few beers with producer Dave that, you know, so please do keep your voting coming in uh, until next Sunday. Steve, I'm going to turn to you now because there's something that isn't quite as uh, as nice as chatting to the crew manager or, um, or the voting for our awards uh, you just wanted to raise this week. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, someone who'd normally be at the game yesterday um, was Dave Farrell. Unfortunately, Dave tragically passed away last weekend, age 46. He was a lifelong crew fan and he lived just over the border in Scotland. And Carlisle was one of his favourite away days. Um, Dave was a friend of a number of pod panellists, including myself, and he was well known throughout many other 
um, Alex fans, having spent a fair bit of his time living in the southeast and being a member of the uh, Exiles, he will be massively missed by lots of people. And we all just like to offer our condolences to Dave's wife, Sinead, and the rest of his family. Um, a massive loss and, and take it from us way too soon. Thank you, Steve. Um, Producer Dave, I've just mentioned you. We are looking forward to our night out in Manchester. Uh, but before that, you have been busy, hard at work, coming up with something in about two weeks' time for a different type of podcast. Do you want to just spend a couple of minutes telling everyone what's going to happen or what's hopefully going to happen? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to try a bit of an experiment. Um, we're going to try and do a, record the podcast live um, from the Market Hall in Crewe. So it's not next Saturday. It's the Saturday just after the Tramier game on the Friday night, which is the 15th, Saturday the 15th of October. Um, if all goes to plan, we'll be down there from about one o'clock um, with uh, a presenter and a few panellists. And everybody's very welcome to come along and meet us and watch what we do and maybe chip in and have a bit of a say. Um, the, um, the, the Railroadmen Supporters Association, they'll be manning their stall down there. Uh, and the Market Hall people have very kindly agreed to open up the, a neighbouring um, kiosk for us to sort of base ourselves in. Um, so we'll be somewhere in there. Come along, come and say hello. And um, yeah, and uh, you know, we might even get you on on the podcast if you want to, if you've got something to say. Yeah, I think the idea it's going to be similar stuff. We're still going to be chatting about crew. Obviously, the game will be will have happened the night before, but uh, a little bit more of a different sort of uh, feel into it in terms of there won't be one presenter and three panelists. It'll be a come by and say hello as and as you are sort of thing. Yeah, it's probably going to be a bit more of a free-for-all and I'll probably regret it because I've got to edit it all together the following day. So I'm probably making a rod for my own back. But yeah, but that's the plan. If it all doesn't, if it doesn't work, we're just going to resort to a normal podcast on Zoom like we normally do. But we're going to try it. We're going to see what happens and uh, all being well, you know, it'll it'll be, it'll work. And, um, you know, maybe it's something that we could perhaps repeat again in the future. But this is the early warning. We'll give you a few more details next week on next week's pod, where by which time hopefully we'll, we'll know a little bit more about exactly what we're doing and where and when. Yeah, so it will be in two weeks' time. I mean, to be honest with you, having seen that third shirt that was released on Thursday, it gives you an excuse to get down to the market hall, buy that, say hello to the people with the pod. Uh, and yeah, I, I echoed what Dave just said. We can't really thank the supporters group and the market hall uh, enough because they have been fully behind this idea. Uh, it all sort of, it's nice when people work together to have nice things, I think. So this is hopefully going to be a nice thing. Yeah, let's hope it is. Yeah, it should be absolutely, nothing whatsoever can possibly go wrong. There you go, touching wood. Well, I'm not going to be involved in it because I can't present live from the market hall in crew. So uh, I'm just going to enjoy listening to what could be a car crash of an edit for you, Dave, or it could be delightful. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> OK, that's it for me then for another week. As I said just now, please do keep voting for us one more week to push on uh, for the Railway Men podcast for best podcast in the Football League. Steve, Steve, Trevor, thank you so much for today. No problem. Thank, thank you. you all. Thank you, as ever, for listening. And until next week, goodbye. Yeah. Dang, 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 ding, dong, ding, blue moon.